Welcome to the Hope Collective Message Podcast, where we find a confident expectation of a better tomorrow in the character and promises of God. To learn more about who we are, visit thehopeco.com. Here's today's message. Good morning. Did you ever have an inner dialogue and then laugh with yourself? <laughs> sometimes it's appropriate timing and other times not so much. Sometimes. <laughs> I was sitting over there during worship. <laughs> and people probably just always enjoy the Lord, right? Um, but I'm, I'm sitting there going, so if your New Year's resolution was to never miss church for bad weather... You're doing good. So to all those watching online <laughs> in your cozy blank, that's what made me laugh is I thought, do I even say anything? And then I'm saying it in my head and then I'm like, that was fun. Oh gosh. <laughs> it, uh, I hate snow. So we were talking this morning about how beautiful it is, right? Isn't it amazing how something can be so beautiful and yet so awful at the same time? And my mom prays for this stuff. Um, you too. Uh, who, uh, so I, <laughs> so I dare, I, I dare to ask. And by the way, welcome to the family. Uh, if you're visiting with us, this is kind of how it starts or how it goes. Um, is there anybody else in here like snow? You like this? You like great? You like shoveling five times a day? That's fun for you. Or you send somebody else to shovel and yeah, it's, it's awesome. Lord, so we thank you for the snow and we're grateful today that it's below zero. <laughs> uh, let me say this. Uh, thank you. If, you. if you call this church home, um, I just don't believe that we're your average church, and yet you still come here. And I, I honestly, from the sincerity of my heart, we say we have a strong agenda for your life. Not we, but Jesus. And so we want to lean into that. And this, to, to be engaged in this church is not to consume religious goods and services. It's contribute to the kingdom. We don't want to just come and get fat on God's word. We want to give it away. And we want the world to know. And so you've stepped in and said, I want to be part of that. And that's, that's like courageous. <laughs> Because a lot of times we're just running after what God wants and we're not quite sure what that's going to look like, but we're trusting, right? And you've stepped in to be part of that. And so I just am gracious for those of you who, Susan, I just looked right, for those of you who've been here for the long haul, thank you. And for those who are just stepping in, get ready, because I just think this is going to be one of those years. Uh, where God's going to do something very, very, very special. And so we're expecting. Let me uh, make a quick announcement. Uh, we are an elder-led church, and so uh, as the lead pastor of the church, I am one of the elders. I am a leader amongst equals, if you will. So um, we are a, a, a brotherhood, and we have a, a rhythm of life here. After six years of being an elder, you have to take a year off. You have to take a sabbatical. You have to rest, and you don't get to find out what's going on. You don't get the inner secrets or whatever, if there are any. Uh, you're off for a year. And so uh, Kenny Teller and Stan Ward are going to be taking a year off. And so if you see them, tell them you'll be praying for them. Don't talk to them about being an elder. Let them, let them have a year off. Um, and Scott Deaver has come back from a year. And yeah, really exciting. That's awesome. He's not in here to hear that, but Howard, I'll tell him that you, you know, was really boisterous there. I'll tell him there was no standing ovation. Um, 
and that's a bummer. So, but anyway, uh, we just have a great, a great team of elders that serve this church, and um, it's really fun to be in a rhythm of life together, and you can trust these guys because they trust Jesus, right? All right, let's get, let's get into this. Uh, we're in this, in this series called Table Life, and uh, this past Sunday, we were in Florida um, with our friends Jason and Nettie, and just had a great time there, and we watched online, so I was grateful for online. That's why I said the New Year's resolution is not missing church for bad weather, because we all probably miss, right? Not much, but a little bit <laughs> on Sundays. Um, but my son texted me. He was sitting here, and he said, uh, we're talking about the table again? And I'm like, what's with your attitude, bro? You know, you're, yeah, we're talking about, because we've talked about this a lot. How many of you feel like we're talking about it again? Right? So repetition is good for the soul. Because one of the most important elements in our life that we see on a regular basis is a table. Whether it's the coffee table, the dinner table, um, the cafe table, the, I mean, the list goes on. We find ourselves at tables. And so tables become very important because not only are we sitting there, but if we have Jesus, we're sitting there as representations of Jesus. And so we are trying to um, communicate by doing this regularly, that this is really, really important to us as a church. And so we're going to talk about the table a lot because we believe God wants us at tables and we believe he wants us experiencing his freedom at those tables. And so how do we get to those tables and how do we experience those tables? And one of the things that I, I want to challenge us as followers of Jesus is to know God and be known by God. That that, that would be the primary goal of you, you as a follower of Jesus is to know God and be known by God. You say, well, God knows everything. Yeah, but God expects us to come into his presence and sit with him and talk to him and speak to him and unveil our hearts to him so that he can know us in a deep way so we can know him, so he can tell us the truth about who we are in love. And we want to be know, we want to know and be known by others. Like that's incredibly important. That's what God's put us together is that we would know each other and be known by each other. And, and I'm not talking about that. We, there's this, there's this scale that we've, we've shared before where the things that you don't know, you know about yourself and others know about you, that's the public stuff. And we're good at that stuff because that's typically the Instagram stuff, right? And then there's the things that you know about yourself, but others don't know, and that's your secrets. And so those can be dangerous, right? And then there's the things that others know about you, but you don't know about you. And those are called your blind spots. And you ought to get curious about those. But then there's the things that you don't know about you and they don't know about you and that's the unknown. But here's the great truth. God knows and the Holy Spirit knows. And it's those things that are often the subconscious things that are destroying our lives, that are keeping us from being who God wants us to be. And, and so we need to be known. And, and the Holy Spirit will do that because if the Holy Spirit in you is the Holy Spirit in me, then he'll speak to each other and we'll get to grow together. That's what this thing is all about. So we're, we know and are known by God and we know and are known by each other and then we let others know about God. And that's this rhythm of life that we're talking about and tables play a vital role in that reality. Let me put it maybe this way because it, it's really this up relationship with God, this in relationship with each other and this out relationship to the world and we don't have two without three or one without the other two. They all actually have to work together. It's the rhythm of Jesus' life. And so our personal, we have our personal relationship with Jesus, and that's awesome, but it's nothing without the communal relationship with Jesus, because you actually don't heal, discern, and grow without each other. 
So yeah, we got the personal stuff that God is going gonna, is gonna to speak to us. And then we go to that communal space. But then there's the missional space where because we're having this personal relationship with God and this communal relationship with each other, we will be on mission as people because God has a mission. Right? Right? right. There we go. <laughs> I know you're processing. So let, let me ask you um, maybe a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer this. How many of you this week spoke about Jesus with someone? You just, you just, you couldn't not. And we believe that what's inside comes out. And so you just, you couldn't, Jesus came out. Like you just, whenever you were with people, Jesus, maybe you ask this, how many told somebody about Jesus this week? Where you just came in contact with somebody that didn't know Jesus and they're sharing their story and you couldn't help but just tell them the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. Right? Because that's what, that's what comes when you get in this rhythm of life where you're spending time with God and you're spending time with each other and you're sharing Jesus with the world. Jesus kind of gets into everything, doesn't he? Aren't you kind of tired of it, him getting into it all, right? No, you need him too. We want him into every aspect of our life because it ultimately impacts how we show up, where we show up. So let me, let me say this to you. Your tables don't bring Jesus to life. Jesus brings your tables to life. Oh gosh, I'm here relieved right now, right? That you don't, you don't have to show up at every table and try to make something happen, but you show up with Jesus and he'll do that through you. Why? Because he's in you and because you're allowing him to work. And yet if he's, you're not allowing him to work in you, if he is in you and what's inside comes out and he's not coming out, he wants to. And so we feel the pressure then when we show up in these spaces and, and these tables and we're with people, there's, there's things that, that happen that aren't God's plan to happen. People get hurt. We say things we shouldn't say. We think about ourselves. We, all these things, Right? Or if we would just realize that our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with each other and our desire to tell the world will do something in us that when you show up at a table, Jesus will change that table. You don't have to. Isn't that a relief? Your tables don't bring Jesus to life. Jesus brings your tables to life. So last week, Alex said, when we talk about table life, we're talking about the relationships we have and spaces where we're growing, experiencing the DNA of biblical community, that know and be known, that trust that brings transparency and vulnerability, that spirit led, that um, accountability, not to the bad that you've done. It's part of it. Okay. We just got to get better at saying it, but also the good left undone. What's God asked you to do that you're not doing? He went on to say, the table has become important to us. And I think that that's an understatement. Alex, it's not your fault that that's an understatement. I just am saying it's an understatement. The idea of the table has become important to us. It's a lifeline. It's a lifeline. And we still have a whole lot more to say about the table. So we have a series on it and we'll have another one. He went on to say the tables that we sit at are not just places where we come and are accepted and belong and experience community, but also places where we come to be challenged and changed and transformed. And this, when he said this, that we were sitting in the room watching together this past weekend, the tables we sit at are not just places for community. They are places for transformation. And I said, yes, may they be, or it's a wasted table. And God forbid we not waste tables. They're a gift. So may that be true that the tables we sit at become places of transformation. Why? Because you're there. 
And why? Because you're there because you have Jesus. And Jesus changes the table. Every table he shows up to, he changes it. You're changed today because you sat at a table where Jesus was present and you were changed. And then you were invited to his table. So he answered these questions. What is the table? What does it have to do with transformation? Where do we see a transformative table in scripture? And what can we learn about how we show up at these tables in our own lives? If you didn't hear that message, you should go back and listen to it because it's foundational to the next three messages. So this morning, we're talking about how we show up at the table. How do I need to show up at the table? And as a follower of Jesus, we've said this, that your closest relationships need to be kingdom relationships. That's where it starts. We learn to do this together so that when we're sitting at a table and it's a bunch of people that don't know God, we show up well because we show up with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is being, we're becoming like him because we sit at tables with those who are part of the kingdom family. So we can't forget that. And here's another thing that I think is really important as we lean into this and we understand is we cannot demand from others more ministry than we're willing to give. See, when we start to talk about tables and being with people, we automatically um, start to talk about the difficulty it is to sometimes get to a table because there's a lot of lonely people in the world today, even in the church today. And a lot of times we're so comfortable in our groups, we don't invite new people in. And a lot of times we don't get invited in because we don't do the effort to get invited in or we don't do what needs to be done. There's a lot of reasons or we've just been so hurt, we're done. Anybody, anybody been there? Can, can I just name that for us? That to be engaged in relationships at tables is so difficult and hard because you're going to get hurt, but you're going to have to risk that to experience the goodness of it. You actually can't avoid, you can't, you can't, how do I want to say it? I don't know. You can't avoid not being hurt by people by not sitting at tables because it's sitting at tables where you're going to become everything God wants you to become. And so therefore you're going to have to risk getting hurt. And guess what? People are just, people. <laughs> right? How many of you have been hurt by somebody? Raise your hand. Okay. That's like a hundred percent of us. That means you two have hurt somebody. Right? So this is, this is hard stuff and this is messy stuff. And yet what I'm learning is that Jesus didn't need anything from anybody. Therefore he could sit at every table. Meaning my identity doesn't come from the people at the table. It comes from Jesus. Therefore, I sit at the table because I need the people. Does this make sense? Yeah. Good. Because <laughs> we need it too. Because we're, we're table avoiders. At least the kinds of tables that we're talking about here. So how do we show up? Let me, let me just highlight the fact that this is so necessary because of God's mission. And here's God's mission. God, we say this all the time, and I think it's actually true, that the church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. And God's mission is to reconcile the world to himself through Jesus. That's why we're sitting here is because God found us. 
through the power of the Holy Spirit and we said yes. And because we said yes, the Holy Spirit comes in and begins a transforming work and it is reconciling our heart, meaning, meaning salvation is the process of becoming human, becoming what God intended us to become. How many have good days in that and bad days in that, right? So keep going. That's the point. And, and so Paul tells us this, and I love this, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to have you stand for the reading of the word. See, I'll let you sit just a little bit longer today. And we do this because it's the most powerful thing we read and in a culture that's losing its honor. In one another and in the Lord, we're going to continue to do that. But listen to this, starting in verse 13 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Actually, I'm going to start at 11. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we're sincere, and I hope you know this too. It's writing to the Corinthian believers. As we commend, are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We're giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. That's awesome. If it seems that we're crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Oh, church, if that could just be true of us right there, that Christ's love compels us, leads us, controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that everyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. We should just do laps around the church if it was warm out. <laughs> because that's the best news you've heard all day. You become a new person. You have the righteousness of Jesus. The old things aren't held accountable against you any longer. You're a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task, this mission of reconciling people to him for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We are his mouthpiece. We are his representatives. And God is making his appeal through us. How crazy is that? We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ, that we would be the righteousness of God. So God, I just pray that, man, this would sink in deep. And when we sit at the tables that we sit at this year, may we come as your representatives. May we come on mission. May we come bringing Jesus in a way that he was brought to us where all things can be made new and there's nothing too hard for God. So we'll give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. This is the mission. I love sitting at tables and talking about things that don't matter. Right? 
I mean, for, for at least a little bit of the time. But at some point, if what's inside comes out, he's got to come out. Jesus needs to come out. The, the t- we're there as, as representatives. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and just sit in church and enjoy yourself. Follow me and I'm going to give you a good, happy life and have fun. And one, maybe one day in heaven, we'll just hang out together. No, follow me and I'm going to make. And by the way, the making process is hard. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to make you desire. And by the way, when he says men, ladies, you're included. It's inclusive language. I'm going to make you fishers of people. That they would come back to me. You are going to be my mouthpiece for that. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's how you're going to do it. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. As you're going, make disciples. Bring people in. Help them become like Jesus. Acts 1.8 says to his disciples as he goes, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You are going to be my mouthpiece at every table you sit at. Will Jesus come up? And if not, what's keeping you? What's keeping you from the table? We also need to name this isn't easy. I feel like we've done that. Table life isn't easy. There's anxiety around being at the table. And, and why do people avoid the table? When, the table life we're talking about, this transformative table. I'm going to open it up to the audience. Why do people avoid it? Give me some reasons. Fear, Fear yeah. Anxiety and everything that goes with it. Hurt, shame, judgment, embarrassment. Yep. <laughs> yep. Nobody wants that. Trust issues. See, yeah. Better than everybody. I mean, that's that's good, right? Let me go. Let me go to the last page of my notes here. You mind? Just for the fun of it. Raise your hand if you got this issue in your life. Pride? Pride? Just raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, Steph. I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's an all-inclusive deal right there. Uh, selfishness? Yeah, okay. Fear? Yeah. Insecurity? Oh, boy. Right? Yeah, yeah, you just, yeah, we can do, we, second service, I'll do that. I'm going to raise your hand and just take it down when you're done. Yes. Shame? Oh, so, so FYI, that's what's keeping you from showing up. If you're not showing up or you're not showing up fully, that's why. That's why. Those are the, the barriers, if you, if you will. If we want to grow in our faith, and I need you to hear this, we need to learn how to sit not just at the tables where we feel comfortable, but those where we feel challenged. 
And in order to do that, we have to own our table anxiety, show up at new tables and shake up our old ones for the sake of becoming more like Jesus. So I want to talk about five barriers to showing up well, whether it's a barrier in you or a barrier in someone else. It's either keeping you or them from showing up well. Five barriers. When I say barriers, let me define barrier for you. Offense or another obstacle that prevents movement or access. Let me tell you what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about a roadblock. Roadblocks are often there because the road is out. Therefore, you shouldn't go there. An obstacle, like an obstacle course, is something in the way that you need to get around. It's a hindrance, if you will. And so when we think of the barriers to the table life and showing up well, it's not something where we go, well, it's a barrier, I probably shouldn't do it. No, it's a hindrance from something that will transform your life. You figure out how to get around it, over it, under it, whatever it is that you need to do. See, if you can relate to these barriers that keep us from showing up well and maybe ask what part you play in creating or removing them, maybe God can do something in and through us at our tables. Here's the first one. Um, this idea, uh, I think you should. In my opinion, right? I am so, I mean, first of all, let me, let me caveat something. We ought to think more. Okay, I said that. But we ought to think you should less. Okay, are you with me now? Because here's the deal. I think we live in a culture right now where we're just taking what's being said and we're receiving it and living by it. And that's stupid. So we need to think. But when we think, we need to think through the lens of God's word. That's how we think. Okay? And so... This barrier, let me, let me read Proverbs 18 too. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expresses his opinion. How many of you sat in groups where you just get a lot of I think you should? A lot of opinion. You know, this is my opinion. <laughs> right? Now, some of you got great opinion. I'm not getting on you. Some of you are feeling offended right now. I feel like my opinion's from God's word. I think like I, that's great. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about this, this, <clears throat> Let me tell you what I'm talking about. <laughs> a fool takes no pleasure in understanding. And here's the thing. When it comes to table life, we're, it's all about seeking to understand somebody else, not be understood. This is what table life is all about. And when we lead with our opinion, we're missing them. Let me go a little bit deeper. The first barrier to showing up well comes from an experience-based mindset that often begins with the words, I think. I think you should, and we want to be spirit-led, not opinion-led. And scripture is our guide, not what you or I think. I think that would create a lot of better tables if scripture sat at the center of it, and, and we trusted that. That when we think, we're thinking from the basis of God's word and what's true. And so we're offering it from a place of what the Holy Spirit is leading. Experience isn't our guide. We, we should write that down. Well, that's how I experience. I don't care. 
It's not our guide, especially if it contradicts God's word. Especially if your experience contradicts just because it happened to you doesn't make it good. And so experience isn't our guide. Jesus is our guide. God's word is our God. He is the Logos. He's the word. So after I've listened and I've asked curious questions and we've let the Holy Spirit do the work of naming what the enemy of our soul is really doing and so now he's exposed, now you pray. <laughs> because where prayer is focused, power falls. Now I know what to go after. Now you bring God's word because now you can bring it with a sharp edge sword. I think, I don't care. I think the word is saying, that's a great conversation in community, isn't it? Because how many times have you thought the word was saying and then you got in community with three or four other people and they're like, that ain't what it's saying at all. And you're like, oh, it's like when you sing a song wrong for a long time and people correct you, right? It's weird. It's like you're pretty sure the artist got it wrong. You knew the song before. Your tables don't bring Jesus to life. Jesus brings your tables to life. Here's the, here's the second barrier. What's in it for me? Oh, right? I mean, ultimately, we don't say it out loud. We just say it by our action, right? We make the decision to engage in something on the basis of, is it, is it good for me? Is it gonna benefit me, right? Philippians 2, three through four. Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is an assault. Both of these so far are an assault on God's mission. It's an assault on table life. When we spend time with others only focused on ourselves, we miss out not only on an opportunity to serve them, but also to grow our own faith. And too often we judge the effectiveness of our time together by whether we feel like our needs are met. And this prevents us from listening and from empathizing and genuinely caring for the people at the table or in our community because we're not even thinking about them. What would it look like to genuinely put the needs of others above your own? And who does that around you very well? And maybe we ought to sit down with them and learn from them. You make people feel listened to and ultimately loved and valued. How do you do that and why? You might find Jesus at the center of it. Take the focus off yourself and serve those the Lord has placed before you. Those are the, the most joyful people I know, actually. Do you know who are really people that I know that often are, uh, I'm not going to say that, uh, not joyful, are people who caught up in themselves. The joyful people I know are giving their life away all the time. All the time. Do I demand more ministry from others than I actually give? We ought to ask ourselves that. 
The best tables are missional tables. You, you, want, you want to get a group of people together, begin to grow together, go do something together. Serve together. Take a hill together. Go on a mission trip together. And watch what will happen. Your tables don't bring Jesus to life. Jesus brings your tables to life. Here's the third one. What will they think of me? If I say that, what? If I get to the, if, if I do this, then this is coming up. It's going to. It's my story. It's a big part of my story. And what are they going to think when it does? This is a shame that that even has to be a thing. James 5.16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Here's the crazy thing, church. The third barrier to showing up well often comes from a place of fear and insecurity. And the what will they think of me mindset keeps us from sharing truthfully with others. And instead, we share partial truths and keep people at a distance. It's like we're in, we're in relationship, but this is how it is. Oh, I kind of like you, so now we're here, right? But the table life is here. But there's going to need to be this openness that we struggle with. And keep going. We share partial truth, or we share, I love this one. <laughs> and we call this vulnerability. You ready for this? This is great. I used to struggle with this, but now I'm free. And everybody's like, How'd you get there? I don't know. It's the goodness of God. Right? That's not vulnerability. That's great. Good for you. You weren't just vulnerable. You're vulnerable when you say, hey, right now, I'm in the depths of this. And I'm not quite sure how to get out. Wow. And that starts with Jesus, obviously. But here's the crazy thing about our, our sin theology, if you will. When I come to a relationship with Jesus, God forgives me of my sin. Are you with me? Meaning my past sin, my present sin, and my future sin. So you're like, what? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Well, then what am I confessing? Your sin. Why? Because we still do things God doesn't want us to do and say, God, I'm just letting you know I did that and I know when I realize that I did it, I'm calling it what it is and I let him know, but then I go to community and I say, guess what's going on in my life? And when you do that, you take it from the darkness to the light. It's not that you're not forgiven by God. It's that you're not free, healed, and whole. And the enemy is using it not just to destroy you, but to destroy everyone around you. And so this, this whole thing is, is powerful. And so we rob ourselves of ever feeling known and accepted with this, what will they think of me mentality that is a barrier to being known. And if healing comes through confession, imagine what would happen in your community or at your tables if everyone felt safe enough to confess their sins, even though they're the hardest things in the world to share. And when they shared it, you didn't go, <gasps> or pray for them or give them a scripture, but you just sat there with them. Amen. And you just felt it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. Can I ask some questions? Whew. 
What if we create a table space where shame couldn't have the last word? And shame is this me believing I'm unacceptable. And so when we come to the table and we confess, not worrying about what will they think of me, but knowing it needs to be stated and, and we say it and they go, oh man, thank you for telling me. This will stay right here, but can I get curious about what's going on in you and how this has impacted your life? And in that moment, you tell shame to take a freaking hike. Because what they thought in their mind was an unacceptable part of who they were, you just made acceptable. And by acceptable, not that it's okay, but that it's okay to say it. And I can hold it. And it may feel big to you, but it won't be to us. Better get that. <laughs> we have to silence the shame that keeps us from experiencing the freedom that God has for us through Jesus. Your tables don't bring Jesus to life. Jesus brings your tables to life. Number four, we're going, we're going good. We'll be done here. This last two are quick. I hate this one. Uh, who, are you, who are you to say that? What right do you have? How dare you? And, and, and that, that, may, that may be, well, that's always true, isn't it? The pot calling the kettle black because we all have our, but it, but it doesn't mean it still isn't needed. Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. See, this barrier is showing up well. Barrier to showing up well comes from pride. Who are you to say that? And it's, this, it's defensive and often ashamed posture that causes us to cut others off and not allow them to speak into our lives. And we don't like what they have to say, regardless of how right they may be, so we dismiss their authority and resent their counsel. To what end? Especially the lowest hanging fruit of the people, the ones who care and love you. If you can at least determine that's true, then listen. Pray against pride in the moment, and if you in any way get defensive or, or it, it stings or have a reaction to it, then that must mean they're on to something. So open your heart to rebuke. Open your heart to be admonished. Open your heart to be told you're wrong. Open your heart for another perspective. Open your heart to dialogue. Don't discern by yourself. You can't. That's what the table's for. That's what table life is for. I, I, I'll tell you right now. I don't ever make a decision in my life without discerning it with a group of people. Ever. It starts with my wife. Then it goes to my three guys that I meet with once a week. And then it goes to another group of guys that I meet with on Wednesday morning. I get it. It's easy for the pastor to have a lot of groups. Uh, people have told me that. But I worked hard to have those. Because it's hard. We really struggle with words like authority and submission. That's the human condition. Do you know there? <laughs> Oy. Uh, so I was amazed uh, during the last four years. Let me just say a blanket statement like that. 
how easily we listen to governing authorities. This is amazed. And yet scripture tells us twice as many times to listen to your spiritual authorities. Who's your spiritual authorities? Who are the people you've allowed in your life that scripture calls your spiritual authorities that you are willing to submit to, to their voice, to their truths. And this isn't a plug to listen to your pastor. I don't get it right all the time either. So I have voices, people that I'm submitting to and listening to. We think we're smart enough to make our own choices. You're not. And it doesn't help that we are cheered on by a world that worships autonomy and we fight against acknowledging our need for others. And like a little child establishing our independence, we proclaim to others, mine. That will keep you from every table that will transform you. Be careful. Whenever you find yourself saying, who are you to say that? You just may reject the very counsel you need and the voice God has sent to bring the transformation your heart actually needs. Your tables don't bring Jesus to life. Jesus brings your tables to life. Here's the last one. You ready? I'm too busy. <laughs> Ouch, right? I don't have the time. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. You actually can't afford to not make time. Based on what that scripture just says, it gives us the path to life. We go together. Yeah, you can go farther alone, but you're alone. We go together. And this barrier is so common. The I'm too busy barrier reveals a failure to prioritize your time. And relationships take time and they take energy. And man, it's exhausting and you need a nap a lot of times. Right? I've watched the sacrifice of others to care well for another be so transformative. Chris, I'm thinking about... Uh, and I won't get his name right. Takashi. And that was transformative to his life and the rippling effect because you sacrificed and you, your family, you took time. I, I, I watched when we give time, when we set aside this too busy mindset, too busy doing what for God's sake, evaluate that. To sacrifice for somebody else, it's always transformative. If you don't know the story, talk to Chris afterwards. <laughs> he would love to fill you in on that. Hope for the whole person is what we're talking about. So if you fail to prioritize community, you'll eventually find yourself in need, but without the depth of relationship to support you. And that will be horrible. That might be hell. Intuitively, we recognize the barriers to showing up well not just for community, but for true transformation and how we actually contribute to them. Pride, selfishness, fear, insecurity, shame are powerful forces working against us to keep us from these tables, from this transformation. 
Yet by the power of the Holy Spirit and armed with the truth of God's word, we can experience all that God has for us. When we come to the table, the table life, we heal. When we come to the table, we actually grow. When we come to the table, we discern. When we come to the table, we are discipled because we get the chance to become like Jesus through one another. I believe it was the, uh, Alex, help me with this name, C.S. Lewis, the, the Ingling? Inklings. Inklings. Yeah, the four. C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, Williams, and we always forget the fourth guy. But there were four. I'm talking with my three guys right now to add a fourth because I think it's easy to have groupthink with three. It's harder with four. But it's funny, when, when Williams died, C.S. Lewis thought they would just go on as if they'd always gone. And what he realized that the Jesus he got to see when Tolkien and Williams interacted, he would no longer get to see anymore. That that, that Jesus piece was gone. See, when you get to the table, the table life, the transformative life, you get to see Jesus. Especially when we overcome the barriers that are keeping us from it or that we're committing keeping others from it. And at the same time, we can serve as a tangible means of the Lord's grace and provision for others who need the table so bad. What can you do to overcome any barriers that you or others may feel and reaffirm your care for them today? We all have tables. And there are barriers, but Paul said, throw off what hinders. And the sin that easily entangles. Why? He must have known something. Well, your tables don't bring Jesus to life. Jesus brings your tables to life. And so we overcome. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to invite the band to come back. And here's what I want to do just in this moment. We're all guilty of all those things we named, those barriers, especially the word, pride, fear, insecurity, shame. But for some of us, those are controlling factors keeping you from transformation. They really are. Are you done yet? Have you had enough with it? And are we ready to do whatever it takes to see our tables transformed into the Jesus transforming work that they long to be where we show up well to become like him to love each other if you're in the room and you would say you know what one two maybe three of those things are really impacting my table life they've kept it shallow they've kept it empty they've kept it from growing my table life would you raise your hand and say there's a few of those things just keep it up. Just raise it. Keep it up. Here's what I'd love for you to do. If, if your hand is raised, I'd love you to take some time with Jesus this morning. And just tell him, hey, these things are in the way and I'm just naming it. And I'm grieving that I've missed out on a lot of transformative growth because these things are in my life. And God, would you come? And would you deliver me of these things? And, and that may look like just turning in your chair and kneeling. It may look like just sitting. It may look like coming to the front and kneeling. We're going to sing this song, I Speak Jesus Again. And this church is going to speak Jesus over you. And all of these places, and we're going to believe for freedom, and we're going to believe that we would actually be the church that 
God describes, that Paul talks about, that Jesus is building. These tables will be transformed, not because we sit there, but because Jesus sits there with us and he's transforming us. Can we just take some time just in these last five minutes to just do some business between you and Jesus? If you raise your hand, especially. God, I just pray. I pray for my family because this is, this is my real family, the kingdom family. And, and my earthly family exists for my kingdom family. So I pray for my family today. That God, we'd get serious about the things that hinder and keep us from showing up at our tables. And that we could have the boldness and courage to confess those to you today. And maybe this week confess it to others. Maybe that would be really powerful. So as we sing this, Holy Spirit, come and do your work. We don't, we don't, create a picture of what that needs to look like. We just ask you to do it. And you will. And we say thank you. Amen. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus Forever barrier, we sing this day. Oh, I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. Oh, I speak Jesus, call on his name. Cause your name is power, your name is healing, and your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, and burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name. Soul held captive by depression. Oh, I speak Jesus. Cause your name is power, your name is healing, and your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows. Jesus, for my family, I speak the holy name. 
your name Cause your name is power Your name is healing And your name is love Break every stronghold Shine through the shadows Burn like fire Church, you carry the name that is power your na the name that is healing and the name that is life. You carry that name. You show up at every table, whether they're Christians or not, with that name. And it can transform a life. So may God lead you to those spaces differently than he ever has. May every barrier that you come across be overcome. May you do it in his name. As you go, I'll give you two things that may help every table you sit at. This one question, what's good and what's hard, will uncover things in people's lives you never dreamed. The next question after that, tell me more. Watch what God will do. And then just let the Holy Spirit lead. Enjoy your table life this year. We don't get a lot of them. We don't get a lot of them. We love you. It's going to be a good year. Have a great week. Thanks for spending time with the Hope Collective. If you appreciated this message, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review, which will help other listeners find us online. Thanks again for joining us.